Our lesson this morning comes from the sixth chapter of the book of Acts, the first seven verses of that chapter. Hear these words. Now during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complain against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Procreus, Nector, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And they had these men stand before the apostles, who prayed and laid hands on them. The word of God continued to spread, and the number of disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I grew up back in the day. My mother raised three of us, and we lived in a house that was just barely over 800 square feet. Three kids, 800 square feet. My mother's house had one telephone, and it was attached to the wall. We had one television, and my baby sister was the remote control for the television. Get up, change the channel, turn it up, turn it down. And we had one bathroom. Can you imagine three teenagers with one telephone, one television, and one bathroom? Yet somehow mom raised us all and we got out of the house without causing harm to each other. It was a different time. Things were different. We were free-range children in the back seats of cars. The only seat belt was the mother's powerful right hand that went like this. Uh-huh, I see, some of you did it, you understand. But it was the washing machines that were so different. Oh, we didn't have those fancy front end loaders. We had the ones where you lifted the lid at the top and right in the middle was the agitator. Yes. So you've got the washing machines and they only came in one color, white. That was it. And our washing machine was in a little alcove right by the back door, which led directly into the kitchen. And there would be those times when mom was washing towels or bedding or blankets or her kids' heavy winter sweaters. And during the spin cycle, the load would become unbalanced and the washing machine would start walking across the room and it would make this horrible noise as it was walking and it would go as far 
as the supply hoses on the back of the washing machine and then it would just stand in the middle of the room and dance. And as a child, your job was to lift the lid because this is the 60s and the early 70s. Remember, we're free-range children. The washing machines were not politically correct, but when you lifted the lid, they stopped spinning. And your job as a child was to balance the load. Some of you are nodding, you remember. I discussed this theologically astute introduction to the sermon yesterday with Tamara, and she said they had a garage at their house, and their job as children when the washing machine started walking was to sit on the lid and just keep it in place. We all had a method of dealing with a walking washing machine that was out of balance. There it is out of balance. There was a story on the internet this week about a young lady, I think she lived in Georgia, who died of water intoxication. She drank too much water too fast and it threw her electrolyte system out of balance and she went into cardiac arrest and died. You know what it's like when your body is out of balance, when things are just not according to Hoyle. You know what it is like to have a, a, a machine that is out of balance. I drive down the interstate sometimes and I watch all these cars that have tires that are just doing this and I want to throw a Neil Walpole card at him and say, he can fix it, he can fix it. And I wonder, how are they not feeling that doing 70 miles an hour with a tire doing this? Out of balance. Hang on to that. The Holy Spirit is active in the book of Acts in the early chapters. The Holy Spirit is creating a church, a community of believers that is vibrant, that is powerful, that is transforming the world. And we read in the seventh verse of the sixth chapter, the Holy Spirit is working to increase the disciples in Jerusalem and even the Hebrew priests are becoming obedient and following Jesus. But the other thing going on is while the Spirit of God is active, Satan is active too. And the devil is about to introduce his third strategy on the church. As the church grows, the devil has made sure that persecution has become a part of church life. By the third chapter of the book of Acts, we see that the Hebrews are already turning against the church and it is becoming a little bit uncomfortable, indeed dangerous to be a Christian. In the chapter we read last week, the devil's next strategy is introduce hypocrisy into the church. Not sin. We are all sinners saved by grace, and everybody who comes to this place as a sinner is welcomed into the family of God. It's when people pretend to be something they are not that Satan uses that to destroy and diminish the witness of the church, and he's about to introduce his third strategy, Distraction. 
Persecution, hypocrisy, and distraction have played out in the 2,000-year history of the church as Satan's tools to keep us off balance, to keep us from boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, to keep us from fully and richly being filled with the Holy Spirit and going where God's Spirit is leading us. Distraction. Luke tells us that the church is growing and the Hellenist And the New Revised Standard translates it, complained against the Hebrews. The Greek says the Hellenists started murmuring against the Hebrews. And that word is very specific and it is supposed to remind you of the Old Testament. When Moses stood before Pharaoh and said, God has said, let my people go. And we go through the 10 plagues. And finally, Pharaoh relents and lets the people of God go. And and Pharaoh sort of changes his mind and sends the army out after them. And there the Hebrews stand, the Red Sea right here, the Egyptian army coming up fast, and God parts the Red Sea, and the Hebrews walk across, and they are saved by God from the Egyptian army. And God is taking care of them in the wilderness. He is feeding them in the morning. He's feeding them in the evening. He's providing water, but they are wandering in the wilderness. And what do the Hebrews do? They start murmuring, murmur, murmur, murmur. And they're murmuring against Moses and Aaron. And Luke wants you to remember that. Luke wants you to hearken back to the Old Testament. Jesus has died, he's risen, he is victorious, he's ascended to the Father, the Holy Spirit has come and is blessing the church. Disciples are just being made hand over fist. You can't stop a disciple from being made when the word is being preached. But what is going on? The disciples start murmuring. And what Satan is trying to do, indeed what the church falls prey to is there is a distraction. And the distraction is the Greek widows are not being fed the same amount of food as the Hebrew widows. That's the issue. It's a distraction. This morning, I got up at four o'clock. That's pretty much my usual time on Sunday morning. I get up and spend some time in prayer and go down into my little man cave, which is known as my study. And God and I kind of put the sermon together in its final form. Some things go in, some things go out. And it's, it's a peaceful time. The dogs come downstairs with me and they just kind of lay there on the floor watching me. And I just love that time. This morning, it's officially known as a box elder bug. You call them giant roaches. About like this. Walked under the back door. I know something walked in the house because the dogs both immediately alerted. They're up. And that bug had the audacity to walk in my study. And it started doing the perimeter. That's what what bugs do, the perimeter of the room. And the dogs were chasing this bug all the way around. They were focused on nothing but that bug. Bug went under something, the dog sniffed at it. The bug got near my books, the dog started sniffing at it. The bug went across the the carpet. Dogs tried to chase the... They were all driving me crazy. 
The dog's focus had become a distraction to what I was doing. Yes, I dispatched the bug, okay? I got the bug, I baptized it in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I hit flush, and the bug is no more. And the dogs looked at me like, it was fun. The Hellenists complain, the disciples are met with a distraction. What are they going to do? In the Old Testament, Nehemiah has come back with the, the exiles and his, he's tasked with building the wall around Jerusalem and he's collecting volunteers and materials and the wall is going up at a great pace and Sanballat and Tobiah, who are Nehemiah's enemies, call down to Nehemiah and say, hey, Nehemiah, we're over here in the next town. Why don't you show up Monday morning for a meeting? And Nehemiah said, what I am doing is so much more important than your meeting. No. For five days, they call Nehemiah. Nehemiah come to the meeting and Nehemiah says, uh-uh, not doing it. I'm focused on what I'm doing right here. In the New Testament, Jesus and his disciples come to the home of Mary and Martha. And we know that story. We know it too well because Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, absorbing every word he's saying, and Martha is in the kitchen, and Martha is doing loud cooking, and every male in here knows what loud cooking consists of. You have done something to displease your spouse, and she is in the kitchen, and pots and pans are flying, and even if they're not flying, they're landing on the stovetop very loudly. Honey, is there something wrong? Martha is making all the noise she can make. There is flour flying, pots and pans rattling, and nobody's coming, and finally, Martha booms into the room where Jesus is and says, Jesus! Tell Mary to get in there to help me. And Jesus says to Martha, what? Martha, you're distracted. There's only one thing that's necessary. Church, the Hellenists aren't being fed. We need the Hellenists and the Hebrews fed equally. And what the church is faced with is a temptation to be distracted. And rather than doing that, the church through the Holy Spirit creates this division of labor, at least in the sixth chapter, and everybody says, well, this is where deacons come from. Deacons are called to table service, and elders are called to preach and teach the word and pray. And you can believe that if you want to, but that's an institutional translation and interpretation of the scripture. What I think the church found in the sixth chapter is balance. The church was out of balance. And the temptation of the distraction was to get the church further out of balance. And what the church comes up with is a way of keeping the church in balance. The balance between proclaiming the word of God and living the word of God. The balance, as Wesley said, between personal piety and social justice. And the phrase you're going to start hearing moving forward in Trinity's future is missional discipleship. We are called to be missional disciples. 
Because if you're just a disciple of Jesus, if all you do is pray and go to Bible studies and you never reach out in concern and service to our world, you have reached that point that James describes, faith without works is dead. Likewise, if you're just interested in reaching out in concern and service to our world and you're not interested in growing your faith in Christ, we call that social work. The church is called to keep them both in balance, missional discipleship. It's not either or, it is both and, that we have a warm, deep, personal faith, personal piety, but we're also reaching out and concerned about social justice and we're there to bring healing to human hurts. It's both and. So, you can say the sixth chapter of the book of Acts is where the office of deacon comes from and I would say, okay, I'll let you. Although only two of them are ever mentioned again in scripture. Or you can say, maybe the sixth chapter of the book of Acts tells me I need to keep things in balance. I need to keep my life spiritually in balance. I need to pray and I need to serve. I need to teach and I need to reach out. I need to study and I need to go where Jesus wants me to go. And if we'll keep that life in balance, All will be well, and the distractions will not overcome us. It's like this table we're about to go to, come to. We're invited to come to the table, and then we're called to go out and serve. Keep that in balance as we continue to worship this morning. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.
Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.